And welcome to another week of Drinking with the Devil. We're going to have to ask for you to excuse the echo. We are no longer recording outside due to... <laughs> it's cold as shit. It's really cold. It is. So we are currently in Baba Yaga's hut. Literally. The new home of Baba Yaga's hut. And until we can get some stuff up on the walls, she's got an echo. She just came in this morning, guys. Just bear with me. Bear with us. It's coming, guys. It's coming. That being said, I'm staying on my mental health regimen of one well butrin every morning. And Heather hasn't killed anyone that she'll admit to, so yep. we've been good. <laughs> right as rain, people. Right as rain. Right as rain. Gotta love that phrase. You know what? The best part about the phrase right as rain is rain washes everything away. It really does. It, it makes pulls- everything smell nice. Pulls all the nasty out of the air. Rain is amazing, purifying beauty. Water's beautiful. Now, if we could just keep you people from freaking polluting it and fish from shitting in it, it'd be perfect. <laughs> you nasty fuckers. Yeah, that'll probably get edited, but if not, I don't fucking care. I don't give a poop. That being said, let's go ahead and get started on this week because Heather and I are what you would call fucking exhausted. It's been a long day. Heather's been running all day and I've been at work. And by running, I mean like literally balls to the wall running. The restless spirits of the Trans-Alleghenny Lunatic Asylum. Now, this week's comes from thelineup.com slash an encounter at trans Alleheny Lunatic Asylum. They can't all just do that as one big word. They got to put a dash between every word so it makes it harder when I try to get this stuff put to a website for y'all. That being said, let's dive on in. I've had my share of strange experiences at the trans Alleheny Lunatic Asylum or Tala, unexplained lights, ghostly footsteps, eerie voices, the unshakable feeling of being watched, but one of the scariest things I've ever encountered actually happened outside the building. It was fall of 2009. Founder of Dark Alley Paranormal Investigators, Aaron Solcer's first time visiting Tala, he was one of his or he was with one of his friends, Austin Rausch. By the time the sun set, we were the only three people left in the building, or so we thought. We had a sequence of strange events happen throughout the night, one bizarre thing after another, which is typically when you're alone at Tala. It is like they know when they haven't have you outnumbered or something. I, starting off, I've got to give it credit. It's very intriguing it, it it captures the imagination without being okay so you're going to hear footsteps and eerie noises and you know it actually makes it right it, it captures the imagination from the get-go so already i feel like this is a true story because this person is giving enough of an effort to try to convince people it's true it seems like when you're lying, you either try to leave out as many details, details you or you can. try to add 
excessive amounts of right. detail. But when you add just enough to keep someone's interest, it seems like that's the beauty. That's the good spot. That's the sweet spot right there. And they've achieved it so far, in my opinion. It was getting pretty late when we were on the first floor checking out a wizard's <laughs> checking out wards A and D after investigating the arts and crafts wing we kept hearing this strange knocking sound tap 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 we followed it through the corridors but never seemed to get any closer as soon as we thought we found the source the knocking started up somewhere else taking us deeper and deeper into the opposite side of the building it was like we were being led we ended up in the area just outside Lily's room near the Civil War section. Alright, so from that section I'm going to point this out and I'm pretty sure Heather will either confirm or deny because, you know, we agree and we disagree. We are human. Usually when I encounter something tapping and you chase after it and the tapping comes from somewhere, it's leading you away from an area. It's like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, follow me. Yep. Come away. Come no, on. No, no, no. Don't look at that. Follow me. Come on, children. Come over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that been my experience. Now, there have been times where, like, something will fall, and I'll go running to it. But when I get to that area, it stops. Almost as if, okay, I want to get your attention. I want you to come over here. Boom. And then when you come over there it stops because you're, you're now where it wants you. So I feel like this is more of a situation where they are probably being led away from something. You know, humans are the only animals that will run toward a disaster as opposed to away from it. Well, let's be fair. Um, white women in horror movies do it all the time. So we're kind of trained from an early age. Hey, scary noises let's go explore because it never happened bad at Camp Crystal Lake or on Elm Street <laughs> or which that's one of the things I love about more modern day horror movies is they have realized how stupid they been in the past and you always have that black person that uh-uh I seen this horror movie we die first and they go the opposite way and usually that's like the last time you see them until the very, very, very end when they're like, oh yeah, we got out of town while that was going down because we're not stupid. You know. Yeah. I, I That's been an overdone trope for years. Yeah, I know how this plays out. I'm out. Yeah. It's like, uh-uh, nope. You don't ask you can die, I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't blame them. Yeah, um, I'm drinking something that's supposedly called a Black Russian, but... It's two parts peanut butter whiskey and one part uh, Kahlua. That'd be a peanut butter Russian. Hmm. And black Russians don't have whiskey. Either. I'll have to figure out the name of a Russian dog and name it. I call that a Tolstoy. Like the uh, Mastiff. <laughs> peanut butter Mastiff. Because you know. Dogs like peanut butter. And this is going to knock me on my ass. I ain't carrying you in. You're just going to sleep by here. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, back to the story of... 
The sound bounced all around the room, but we couldn't figure out where the hell it was coming from. Eventually it stopped and we gave up looking for it. We were deliberately led there. Why? I don't know. Since we were near the back of the building, I asked Aaron and Austin if they wanted to see the cool looking stone gargoyle faces carved on the facade of the building. Yes! Fuck that! I don't care if they want to, I want to! Okay. Take me! Take me. The three of us went outside, walked down the sidewalk to where the gargoyles were, when suddenly we heard this loud bang. I'm going to use this to my like full advantage tonight, <laughs> by the way. You're going to hear sound effects. Since we were... Oh, nope. Though thunk, though thunk, though thunk. Hmm. What sounds like though thunk? Or would it be? Hmm. I'm not really sure what though thunk would sound like. I, I I'm gonna think it's the second one. I think it's gonna be loud than deep, cause thunk is a deep noise. Walking, like a weighted boot. Like a limp. A limp or an amputee. Yeah. yeah, and especially Civil War amputees, wooden legs, that would have sounded more than the human leg. Well, I walk quiet, so. Um... Think about me walking upstairs. Oh, God. Yeah. I run upstairs, so, you know. The sound bounced all around the room. But we couldn't figure out where the hell it was. Oh, I already said that. <laughs> we turned and saw a huge black mass pulsating in the sidewalk a few yards in front of us. The dark figure lunged forward and came barreling towards us. This thing literally chased us back towards the door. Aaron ran in, Austin ran in, then I ran in, bolting the door behind me. Whatever that thing was, it came right for us and I wanted to make sure it stayed outside. So, let's talk about how stuff that doesn't have a body can go through walls. Right. Um, There's no barrier. That just goes to prove horror movie tropes, we fall for it. Um, yeah. I mean, kudos on running, don't get me wrong. A lot of people wouldn't have made it that far. Most of them would have collapsed then and there out of fear. So, kudos for running. Little. Oh, no. Nah. That mother... It, it gonna think I shit myself. Because <laughs> it's gonna be running in a cloud of gas. <laughs> the whole way. I'm gonna have the walking farts. <laughs> Puppy power! Yeah. I made sure all the other entrances were secure. I couldn't see anyone outside and no one else was in the building. I'd never had anything like that happen before in the building or out. Later the same night, the three of us were investigating the fourth floor when again we heard this crazy super loud banging. I think I banged enough tonight. So I'm just gonna go. Boom. 
I'm sorry. It's the one time I get to make sound effects and it actually sounds like something. This time, it was coming from the huge heavy doors of the main entrance in front of the building. The sound was so loud it carried up the stairwell, echoing all the way to where we were. I was freaked out, but I ran downstairs to make sure it wasn't someone trying to get in or playing a trick on us. RUN BITCH! RUN! <laughs> Sorry. Of course it didn't make me feel any better when I discovered no one was at the door. I checked the entire area, looked all over the yard, but found nothing that could or would have made that sound. I think the ghost of Tala like to freak people out, especially when there isn't a large group. It makes sense, because sometimes when you have too many people, the energy becomes muddied. So they're like, you know what? Mm, just not kind of feeling it. <laughs> kind of like when you have too stout of a drink and your co-host is like, yeah, no. No. I drink vodka straight. I'm not touching that. It's pretty stout. It's yeah, pretty it's like, stout. Yeah, made me make a face. I, I'm not the normal bartender, as y'all know, so. I'm not either. I don't think some shit will knock you on your ass, but that. Mm. It's not bad, though. And he's wincing every time he takes a drink to people. Because it's, like, it's got this. One eye is shutting. It's got this weird after zing, and it's and like. When somebody takes a drink and it makes one of their eyes <laughs> shut and their face. It's like he ate a warhead. It's, I mean, literally, he's already. It's like you're drinking coffee and then, like, you get kicked in the mouth by a peanut butter cookie out of nowhere. It's weird. And then you breathe out and it's like you all you can do is. You could have put some Bailey's in that and calm that right yeah. down. Yeah, I think next week we'll uh, plan that out just a little bit better. And plan your drinks a little bit better. Yeah. There's a lot you can do to mellow something out. That'll yeah. still make it stout as hell, but you ain't trying to like climb away from. You're not having an out of body experience as soon as it hits your taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't knock your soul out the back of your head, and you're not sitting there having a seizure. <laughs> Many nights I've been set up with a tour somewhere on the first or second floor, knowing no one else was in the building, and played this shave. Shave and a hair. Oh. Ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. The thing that got Roger Rabbit. Shave and a haircut knocking game with the spirits. And the answer, bang, bang. Yeah, because, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Duh, that's going to be their answer if they're smart or funny. Slamming the metal doors of the seclusion cells on the fourth floor or something similar in rhythm. My theory is that spirits at Tala are very aware of what the ghost hunters are doing, what they are looking for, and they choose to communicate on their terms. Maybe they get bored hearing the same questions asked over and over and over and over and over. I mean, seriously, how many times would you want to be asked, What's your name? Did you die here? Can you give us a sign of your presence? At what age did you lose your virginity? I mean, shit. It's going to throw the ghost. It's going to be like, dude. <laughs> Something's here, and it's intelligent. 
you always got to ask at least one or two completely off the wall questions. Because if you get an intelligent response, that is proof of intelligence. But if you get the same old yes, no, 21, then that means it's a residual hunting and you're not getting chant. You're getting told the same thing because it's just repeating itself over and over and over and over like a broken record. The more personal you get with ghosts, the less they want to cooperate. Bullshit. You can get as personal as you want with them, but you've got to be slightly offensive. People react when they are offended. Like one of my favorite things to do if I'm going into a place where you have an angry entity. I hate that phrase. It's not an angry entity. It's a fucking extrovert that is stuck for all eternity listening to all these people ask it a bunch of stupid questions. You walk in and you ask, did you die a virgin? Is that why you're so angry? And if it's truly an angry entity, you're going to get some kind of reaction. It's going to react because it's going to be like, no, God, I had sex with lots of girls. I can count them on both hands. It's like, <laughs> that was a lot of girls back in your day, maybe. I mean, you got to kind of poke the bear sometimes. And I'm not saying go out there and, Come on, you son of a bitches. I can take you. Zach Baggins style. Because nine times out of ten, all you're going to get with that is picked on. They're going to be like, oh, he thinks he's tough. Look at him. Look, I make him jump. <laughs> whoa, bro, whoa. Aaron, about the only person worth watching on Ghost Adventures anymore. We miss you, Nick. Come back to us. That was when Ghost Adventures yeah. was its best, was when Nick was around. Oh, very true. I, I do truly miss Nick. People should also be aware that the ghosts of Tala have a tendency to follow you home. Just recently I was alone in my house after a night at Tala. Walking down the hallway, my bedroom, oh, towards my bedroom, when I heard very clearly in my ear, Hey Zach, did I scare you? <laughs> did I scare you little boy? Uncle Ray Ray got a game for you. <laughs> Mm hmm, hop in that shower, get all nice and soap it for me. Mm. <laughs> That's always what I think of when they're like, I hear a roaring from the window. Now, was it a roar or was it a <laughs> or was it a <laughs> I stopped immediately and looked around for someone even though I knew I was alone. Stop in the name. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, I never know when someone says stop if it's in the name of love or, you know, what, what, what should I do then? Should, should, should I let them know I think we should just be friends? Stop. I'm sorry. I don't look at you that way. 
And then I walk in front of a moving car. I've had all sort of strange things happen since I started at Tala. Yeah, started at Tala. Things will disappear or go missing only to show up in odd places later. I didn't put my keys in my butthole. How'd they get there? God, that's where I keep the TV remote. One of my gloves disappeared one night. I searched my car, I look everywhere with no luck. I thought I'd left it behind at a restaurant, even when went back looking for it. Sorry about that. But it wasn't there either. Eventually I gave up looking and pitched the other one out. That same day I found the missing glove sitting on the driver's seat of my car, plain as day. He's got a Frank! He's got a Frank. He's got a Frank. Frank, are you cheating on us? If you're cheating on us, make the light flicker. I can wait. <laughs> the light's been flickering. I know. That, that's kind of the joke. I, I hate people that are like, if there's someone here, say something. I've got all night. Twelve minutes later, you'll hear, hello. See, there's someone here. No, if they're not answering immediately, they're not intelligent. They're not. They're residual. <gasps> Reoccurring. The same shit over and over and over. And that is the most common because it's not always ghosts. It's just an energy imprint. Some people who have energy imprints are still alive. And it's okay. You don't always have to see a ghost. You don't. I mean, I know you're going to tell all your friends you saw a ghost, but, you know, who am I to call you a liar because I wasn't there? But by God, if it happens every day at the same fucking time, it's residual. <laughs> Another time, a button off my favorite jacket fell off while I was, at wor while I was working at Tala. I didn't even notice when it happened. I just noticed it later it was gone. I was bummed, but didn't really think much of it. Weeks later, as I went into my house, I felt something hit me on top of my head like it had literally fallen from the sky. I picked it up and was shocked to find out it was the missing button. I know the spirits from Tala are responsible for weird stuff like that. How else can I explain it? Maybe they're not spirits from Tala. Maybe you have an attachment from any or everywhere else. You may be a beacon. You may be someone who as a child could see and speak to ghosts and have repressed your ability, but they know you can do it. So they are trying to make contact. If you feel like you are some kind of median of any sort, whether it be you think you can hear voices or you can see things or, you know, you just know stuff. You can't really explain how, but in your third eye, you can see stuff without it being there. Work with it. It is a muscle. If you work with it, it will get stronger. You will learn how to control it. You will learn how to make stuff stay or you will learn how to make stuff go. And that is the most important part, is being able to tell something when it's time to go. Bars closed, bitches.
No, you need to go to hell. <laughs> That's where you need to go. <laughs> so, want to keep reading? Download America's Most Haunted, The Secrets of Famous Paranormal Places Now. Available on Amazon's, Apple Books, or Barnes & Noble. Hmm. So, I'm going to get, I'm going to rate that a 8 out of 10. Because where he kind of repeated himself, he became repetitive. He kept me intrigued. What do you think? It was interesting. I mean, he didn't tell the same stories, but he kept hinting on the noises. That That's where yeah. he got me was all he really had was the thunk, the thunk, the thunk. Or clippity cap, clippity cap, clippity cap. Or, tis only a flesh wound. Oh, wait, that's Monty Python. But, anyways, squirrel. I, I gotta give it to him. It was very well said. It was well written. Yes. It was well written. It's better than, you know, most of the ones you get. That ain't grabbed my booby. <laughs> right. Well, that being said, it's time for my favorite time of the week. It's time to hear legends, fairy tales, or myths from around the world with Heather. We're doing a Brothers Grimm fairy tale today. Hey, some of my favorite fairy tales, as told by the original fairy tale. Authors. Authors. This one's pretty cool. It's the uh, the Golden Fish. And it's on Story Nori. So this is a short version. Sometimes it's better to have a short version. I'll be here till midnight. Running my mouth. and None of us need this in our lives. Me too. Alright kids. There was a once a fisherman who lived with his wife in a pigsty. Close by the seaside. Yeah, they said pigsty. So their house was something funky. The fisherman used to go out all day long fishing, and one day as he sat on the shore with his rod looking at the sparkling waves and watching his line, all of a sudden his float was dragged away deep into the water. When he reeled in his line, he pulled out a golden fish. The fish said, Pray, let me live. I am not a real fish, I'm an enchanted prince. Put me in the water again and let me go. Oh ho, said the man, you need not go on much more about the matter. I will have nothing to do with a fish that can talk. Smarter than the average bear. Right? I'm sorry. That's something that's always cracked me up. Hi, I'm a magical frog. I'll go get your ball. Fuck you! <laughs> right, right. They just think it like, okay, cool. That's when I grab a stick and like, what? I what kind of drugs these people in the medieval times were doing because they were stout. <laughs> they were okay. eating the bread. Yeah, their, their bread has some ergot in it. So, so, alright. So swim away, sir, as soon as you please. And they put him back in the water and the fish started straight down to the bottom and left a long streak of blood behind him on the wave. That's how you know it's a grin. Alright. Yeah. When the fisherman went home to his wife in the pigsty, he told her how she had caught a golden fish and how it had told him it was an enchanted prince. And how on hearing it speak, he had let it go again. 
Did not you ask it for anything? said the wife. We live very wretchedly here in this nasty, dirty pigsty. Do go back and tell the fish we want a snug little cottage. I think that fish needs to pick up a fucking broom. I was just sitting there thinking, it's like, hold up, I'm off drinking beer and fishing all goddamn day. <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> and what are you doing? You probably gossiping with Ethel next door trying to figure out how the fuck you're going to treat me out of something this week. No, you cannot. Wait, that's, sorry, that's I Love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> the fisherman did not much like the business. However, he went back to the seashore. And when he got there, the water looked all yellow and green. He stood at the water's edge and said, Oh, man of the sea, hearken to me. My wife, Ilsebil, will have her own will and has sent me to beg a gift of thee. When the fish came and him and said, Well, what is a will? What did your wife want? Ah, said the fisherman, she says that when I caught you, I ought to have asked you for something before I let you go. She does not like living any longer in the pigsty and wants a snug little cottage. Go home then, said the fish. She is in the cottage already. So the man went home and saw his wife standing at the door, a nice trim little cottage. And for those of y'all that trim is in this stance, it's snug. It doesn't have any holes, holds heat in, keeps the wind out. Kind of like Bobby Yaga's hut. It's very warm in here today, guys. It is hot in here, actually. So, come in, come in, she'd see. Is this not much better than the filthy pigsty we had? There was a parlor, a bedroom, and a kitchen. And behind the cottage was a little garden, planted with all sorts of flowers and fruit. So there was a courtyard behind, full of ducks and chickens. Ah, said the half-fisherman, how happy we shall live now. We will try to do so, at least, said his wife. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah. Everything went right for a week or two. And then Dame Elizabeth said, Husband, there is not nearly enough room for us in this cottage. The courtyard and the garden are a great deal too small. I should like to have a large stone castle to live in. Go to the fish again and tell him to give us a castle. Wife, said the fisherman, I don't like to go to him again, for perhaps he will be angry. We ought to be easy with this pretty cottage, cottage to live in. Nonsense, said the wife. He will do it very willingly. I know. Go along and try. The fisherman went, but his heart was very heavy. And when he came to the sea, it looked blue and gloomy. Though it was very calm, he went close to the edge of the waves and said, O man of the sea, hearken to me. My wife, Elizabeth, will have her own will, and has sent me to beg a gift of thee. Well, what does she want now? said the fish. I like this fish. Right? Ah, said the man. I'm not married to this bitch. My wife wants to live in a stone castle. Go home then, said the fish. She is standing at the gate of it already. So away went the fisherman and found his wife standing before the gate of a great castle. See, she see, is this not this grand? With that one, they went into the castle together and found a great many servants there. And the rooms were richly furnished and full of golden chairs and tables. Behind the castle was a garden, and around it was a park half a mile long full of sheep, goats, hare, and deer. And in the courtyard and stables were stables and cow houses. Well, said the man, now we will live cheerful and happy in this beautiful castle for the rest of our lives. Perhaps we may, said the wife, but let us sleep on it before we make up our minds to that. So they went to bed. The next morning, when Dame Elzebel awoke, it was broad daylight, and she jogged the fisherman with her elbow. She said, get up, husband, and bestir yourself, for we must be king of all the land. Wife, wife, said the man, why should we wish to be king? I will not be king. Then I will. 
said she. Boy, he said, how can you be king? The fish cannot make you be king. Husband, she said, say no more about it, but go and try. I will be king. So the man went away quite sorrowful to think that his wife should want to be king. This time the sea looked a dark gray color and was overspread with curling waves and the ridges of foam as he cried out, O man of the sea, hearken to me. My wife, Elizabeth, will have her will and has sent me to bear a gift to thee. Well, what would she have now, said the fish. Alas, said the poor man, my wife wants to be king. Go home, said the fish. She is king already. When the fishermen went home, as they came close to the palace, he saw a troop of soldiers and heard the sound of drums and trumpets. When he went in, he saw his wife sitting on a throne of golden diamonds with a golden crown upon her head. And on each side of her stood six fair maidens, each a head taller than the other. Well, wife, said the fisherman, are you king? Yes, said she, I am king. And when he had looked for her, looked there for a whole while, long time, he said, Ah, wife, what a fine thing it is to be king. Now we shall never have anything more to wish for as long as we live. I don't know how that may be, she said. Never is a long time. I am king, it is true. But I begin to be tired of that, and I think I should like to be emperor. A class wife, why should you wish to be emperor, said the fisherman. Husband, said she, go to the fish. I say, I will be emperor. Ah, oh, wife, replied the fisherman, the fish cannot make an emperor, I'm sure, and I should not like to ask him for a thing. I am king, said Elizabeth, and you are my slave. So go at once. This is not going to end, little kids. She has been eating some uh, bad bread because, <laughs> um, French Revolution? <laughs> so the fisherman was forced to go along. And he muttered as he went along, this will become no good, it is too much to ask, we shall be tired at last, and then we shall be sorry for what we have done. He soon came to the seashore, and the water was quite black and muddy. And a mighty whirlwind blew over the waves as he rolled them about, but he went as near as he could to the water spring and said, O man of the sea, hearken to me. My wife, Elizabeth, will have her own will, and has sent me to beg a gift to me. What would she have now? Said the fish. Ah, said the fisherman, she wants to be emperor. Go home, said the fish. She's emperor already. So he went home again, and as he came near, he saw his wife, Elizabeth, sitting on a very lofty throne, made of solid gold, with a great crown upon her head, full two yards high, and each of her sides there were gardens and tents in a row, each one smaller than the other, from the tallest giant down to a little dwarf no bigger than my finger. Before her stood princes, dukes, and earls. The fisherman went up to her and said, Why are you emperor? She said, Yes, I am emperor. Ah, said the man he gazed upon her. What a fine thing it is to be emperor. Husband, said she, why should we stop at being emperor? I will be pope next. A wife, wife, said he, how can you be pope? There is but one pope at a time in Christendom. Husband, said she, I will be pope this very day. But, replied the husband, the fish cannot make you pope. What nonsense, said she. If he can make an emperor, he can make a pope. Go and try him. So the fisherman went. But when he came to the shore, the wind was raging, and the sea was tossed up and down in boiling waves. The ships were in trouble and rolled fearfully upon the tops of the billows. In the middle of the heavens there was a piece of blue sky, but towards the south all was red, as if a dreadful storm was rising. At the side of the fisherman was dreadfully frightened, and he trembled so that his knees knocked together. Still he went down near the shore and said, O oh, man of the sea, hearken to me. My wife, Elizabeth, will have her own will, and has sent me to beg a gift to thee. What does she want now, said the fish. Ah, oh, said the fisherman, my wife wants to be pope. Go home, said the fish. She is pope already. The fisherman went home and found Elizabeth sitting on a throne that was two miles high. 
She had three great crowns on her head and around her stood all the pomp and power of the church. On each side of her were two rows of burning lights of all sizes, the greatest as large as the highest and biggest tower in the world, and least no larger than a small rushlight. Wifey said, so the fisherman is looked at all his greatness. Are you Pope? She said, yes, I am Pope. Well, wherefore replied he, it is grand to be Pope, and now you must be easy, for you can be nothing greater. I will think about that, said the wife, and then they went to bed, but Dame Elizabeth could not sleep all night for thinking what she could be next. At last, as she was dropping to sleep, morning broke in the summers. Ha! thought she as she woke up and looked to the window. After all, I cannot prevent the sun rising. At this thought, she was very angry and wakened her husband and said, Husband, go to, go to the fish and tell him I must be lord of the sun and the moon. The fisherman was half asleep, but the thought frightened him so much he started and fell out of the bed. Alas, wife, can you not be easy with being Pope? No. Said she, I'm very uneasy as long as the sun and the moon rise without my permission. Go to the fish at once. The man went shivering with fear, and he was going down to the store and shore, and dreadful storm rose, so that the trees and the very rocks shook. All the heavens became black with stormy clouds, and the lightning played, and the thunders rolled. You might have seen the sea, in the sea great black waves swelling like, up like mountains with crowns of white foam upon their heads. The fisherman crept towards the sea and cried out as well as he could. O oh, man of the sea, hearken to me. My wife, Elizabeth, will have her own will, and has sent me to beg a gift of you. What does she want now, said the fish? Ah, said he, she wants to be lord of sun and moon. Go home, said the fish, to your big pigsty again. And there they lived this very day. Aw, she lost everything out of greed. Out of greed. I I'll give it to the fisher. I will give it to the fisherman. He, he was is, happy. He was better than I was because I went down there the third time and been like, Yo, fish, take this bitch's voice away. <laughs> if she writes something, break her fingers. Until she can be happy with what she has, take everything from her. Make her an idiot. Well, she was already that. No, I mean like an idiot. I know. But she was already an idiot because... She couldn't be happy with hell. Our little house in the middle of fucking BFE. I am content. Nobody comes knocking on my door. Nobody shows up uninvited. Mainly because I have dogs and guns, but you know, that's beside the point. There's a purpose for everything. Right? It's. I just. I don't get. If you got what you need, find contentment while you can. Because it takes one storm for all that to go away. Exactly. And it's... Life is just a series of happy events in between misery. And kind of falls that way sometimes. Life is a series of ups and downs. It's trials and tests and... If you've got enough, you're doing good. Yeah. Doing better than most. Doing better than most. And that's... I, I know that's hard for some people to hear. But it's real easy to get hung up on what we don't have. Yeah. I mean, we're good... I don't even know how many episodes in. I don't. 
I have no clue. You were doing this a long time before I showed up. We don't have a large audience. We don't. But I've had more fun coming and just bouncing stuff off Heather to the point that if I were to stop the podcast tomorrow, I would still make her come out once a week, drink with me, and talk shit about myths and fairy tales. Because and roast him, guys. You have to remember, I get to roast him once a week, at least yeah. a tiny bit. And, and, and that shit's funny to me you know, anyway. Picking on him in public is one of my favorite things. I'll make her blush in Walmart. Don't worry. She acts like she can't be embarrassed, but uh, she can. Especially when people are wearing shirts as dresses and uh-huh. it, it looks like it's damn near tucked in the bottom part of their thong to keep it down. <laughs> it's like, ooh, yeah, I'm making jokes. And I'm going to make them loud. Yeah, but you better give me a fight and I'm in a little Walmart. That's the thing. Uh, ain't nobody gonna fight you. I don't know, man. That chick, that one chick, you were making the wrong behind her, kept turning around and looking at me like I was saying. I'm thinking, bitch, you wanna throw hands? We can go, but uh, it ain't me, ho. <laughs> Look, I've humped Pokemon in front of you. I have screamed, it's what I always wanted, and chased things down a toy aisle. Yeah. You know, even though it's never been on my list of things I've wanted. You know, right now is probably the most content of my life. Because I can come home. I If I don't like what's going on inside my house, I come out to my yard. If I don't like what's going on in my yard... I go to my basement until it got stolen. But, (laughs) look, our washer and dryer is in the basement, and I would try to do the podcast downstairs, and someone would suddenly need something washed every time. And I'd be sitting there like, I waited till 9 o'clock at night to do this, and you just now realize you need clothes for tomorrow? Why? That's why we started doing it outside. Yeah. Less distractions. And that's pretty sad considering we got cars that drive by and dogs that bark and random ass moans in the distance. But we still have dogs barking here. I don't know if you can hear that, but I can. But it's all coming together. You know, this is... We told the universe what we needed. And now we're getting there. We put it out there. This has got to work. This has got to work. We've got to make this work. And we're getting there. It's slow. It's a tedious process. But it's fun. It gives us something to wake up and look forward to. And I don't think either one of us really want to get rich off of this. I mean, it'd be nice never to have to go back to a 9-to-5 job or, you know, someone else is telling us how to run our business while they're never there. <laughs> but it they is don't what come it, near me before the road miles. That'd be what? We'll keep it that way. Right. 
But I'd like to thank everybody who is a regular listener for being a regular listener. I'm glad you find enjoyment out of hearing me and her talk shit to each other. You know, uh, one of my most listened to episodes so far has been the story of La La Roma. And that was something that I created all by myself. You have no idea how that makes me feel knowing so many people liked that episode because it took time out of my day. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been sitting around thinking about how what's going to happen with Drinking with the Devil. I think Drinking with the Devil is going to stop being a podcast in a couple of months, maybe a year or longer. And it's going to start becoming Tales from Baba Yaga's Hut. Because that's more of what we're doing now in this aspect is we're telling other people's stories and then somewhat critiquing them and adding our own commentary. But for now, it's still going to remain Drinking with the Devil. And Drinking with the Devil is going to become more of a video media where I actually have guests come on. We actually drink and I actually get other people's, you know, points of views on things of paranormal instances. I don't know. But personally, I think right now, Bobby Yaga's hut is got the most energy pulling and I really like the direction it's going. And we tell more stories than anything and one of our original stories was the story of Baba Yaga and the little girl who all she wanted was to borrow a light. So I'm really excited to see where we go. Heather's found something over there that has caught her interest. I'm so very tired, guys. Please bear with me. <laughs> oh. I had a pookie nap. Which means a pookie sits on me and I pass out. <laughs> because he sucks all the energy out of me. <laughs> well, that being said, guys, it's been a good week. It's going to get better. I was late last week getting the episode uploaded. It didn't get uploaded until right before we started recording this episode tonight. Slacker. It's something to do with the internet access outside. I think it will download and it's acting like it's downloading and then when I come back it will tell me an error. So I'll, I'll have this one uploaded on time because I'll have everything done days in advance. I had this one last week's done. Ooh, excuse me. Last week's done days in advance. But I don't watch it when it downloads. I guess I'm gonna have to sit there and actually watch and make sure it downloads. But that being said, guys, it's been a good week. I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing from y'all on the Facebook page. 
can't wait to hear and see from y'all next week. Y'all have a good one. Good night, everybody.